is doing. Turn with me in your Bible to Psalms chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27, verse 4. It's good to see you here today. I'm going to let you turn there, and then we're going to pray for the sick among us. I know that there is just a whole lot of people sick today. I, I've just heard like at least eight people are sick. That is quite a bit of people. So we're going to lift them all up. And if you're sick in your body, just touch any part. We're going to believe God to get you healed in Jesus' name. Father God, we lift up to you every sick person among us, Lord. We ask you to heal them. Restore them right now in Jesus' name. Be with the children that are sick. Father God, Alyssa, Lily, Jaden, Elijah, God, the Torres family. Father God, heal sick bodies. Recover them right now. Anyone in this building, oh, Father God, that is sick, heal them in your name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, I'm healed. Amen, amen. Today we're going to talk about worship and what God has been doing in our church and why our church doesn't probably look like other churches and why we really believe in what God is saying and doing. It's real easy to say, you know, I love God. It's another thing to actually live like you love God. It's one thing for a church to say, hey, we love God. It's another thing for that church to actually act like they love God. I remember one person had left our church before, and they went to another church, and they were saying, Pastor, you know this, this church that I'm going to, it's, it reminds me so much of your church. It's, it's just like Metro Praise. I said, oh, really, brother? How, how is it like us? You know, I was excited. What's, what's the deal? How is it like us? Well, they use PowerPoint and slides. Okay, that's, I guess, kind of like us, you know. And then he said, and the pastor really talks about how much he loves the lost. Okay, anything else reminds you of us to them? Oh, that was it. Well, hello, somebody. Our church is more than PowerPoint and talking about loving the lost. Amen? I mean, that's like walking into the restaurant and the owner saying, I hate food or I hate my restaurant. Of course, the owner's going to say he likes his food, okay? Of course, pastors are going to come up here and sing the song and dance and say they love people. But does the pastor do anything about that? Amen. Does he get out of the four walls to actually love people he's saying he loves? And sometimes people say, well, you know what? We believe in worship. We believe in prayer. We believe in these things. But when they get actually confronted with these things, they start to feel a little uncomfortable. I don't think many of you actually truly understand what happened in our church. And so I want to just talk to you a little bit about really what happened. Let me just take you back a little bit. How we started this church was Nancy and I in our house because the Lord led us to start a church. David, our brother in the back there, was one of the first members, Bell, and uh, another young man. So there was three of them. Two of them are now baptized members, disciples of this church. Amen? Amen. Two out of three. That's all right. It's three years later. Well, we started the church with them, and our whole purpose, and now uh, Jessica and Salvador are here, and they, became, they came like right after that, probably just a few weeks. And I want to tell you something, that right at the beginning, we never confused. You can ask them, and David, you can ask Bell. We never confused people with what we were about. We were going to love God. Am I right? We were going to worship God. You probably remember me playing the acoustic guitar, just doing the best I could, right? Well, as the church began to grow, we got this building, and eventually we got a band. Thank you, Jesus. And we got this awesome brother right here and the awesome other brothers that help him. And, and as you can see, music is a great part of our ministry. Well, maybe about three months ago, we started to notice that all of our adults were sitting in the back, and all of our young adults were sitting in the front. 
And we began to say we need more of the adults to step up. We need a church that really radically changes the whole family, not just young people. And so Ish and I and the leaders at that time, we just began to seek God. And we began to have time of testimony. And we began to say, if the adults don't testify, nobody's testifying. And we put out some rebukes. And all of a sudden, what began to happen was, I noticed an atmosphere of praise and worship begin to come into the place. How many were there know what I'm talking about? And let me just tell you what happened. What we tapped into was something that was very important to God. We began to see that service wasn't just about our order and all of the things that we do in an outline like dun da dun da da you know, 30-minute worship, 5-minute offering, this and that, you know, uh, service, uh, sermon and uh, prayer. What we began to realize is that God actually wanted a bigger part in our service. He didn't want this little box that we were giving him. He's so, you know, like he's a little puppy. You know, it's like, you stay over here, God. Don't come out of the room. You know, you got to stay just right in that little kennel or whatever, you know, like a little puppy. God was saying he wanted to be God in our service. And then what began to happen is uh, Ishmael became fond of our Mozambique flag. And so he wanted that flag off of the wall. And so we tore down that flag, and I came in one day, and the flag was being waved back and forth. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's get a whole bunch of other flags. Then there was one day that David uh, Carrasco was in the church, and uh, I don't know if he had seen this growing up in church or something, but he was like, let's run around the building. Let's run for Jesus. And we all start running around the building, and that's why we're running around the building now. That's why we're waving flags now. And then all of a sudden, one day, I was in the back room there, and God said, I'm going to show you that I can give you joy. And I got blasted by the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I felt the Lord tell me, it's the, the bomba, the bomb of God. And we came out here, and people started getting drunk and filled with the Spirit. And then there's just been a combination of all of that, and then some in our services. Well... What I've noticed is that, you know, you do that with Jesus and you start hanging out with the Lord, time goes by kind of quick. I should say time goes by kind of quick for some. For others, time might go by a little bit slower. You know, for people who are coming just for three songs and a hymn, you know, maybe they're just just standing like that, like trying to fit into this. But see, I want to teach everybody here so we can all get on the same page of how to get into this and why this is so important. And how this is not just a, you know, a young thing or a cultural thing or a Pentecostal thing. I'm going to show you that this is a biblical thing. I'm going to show you today that, that God is enthroned in worship right now. That all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, it's always been about worship. So right at the top of your, your notes there, a heart of worship. That's going to be today's message. A heart of worship. If you're with me in Psalms 27... Verse 1, can you say, I'm there? Let's talk about a heart of worship. We're going to read from David and his psalm, and we're going to learn so much about David today. And one of the things I want to tell you is that David was a king of Israel, and he was also a worship leader. He played the guitar. He was like an Ishmael. He was also a mighty warrior. And the book of Psalms is basically just another word of saying the book of songs. It's basically the same thing, okay? So we're going to be reading one of the songs that David wrote. 
David wrote, The Lord is my salvation, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Look at verse 4. Here's the main scripture today. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me on high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Verse 7. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. He's talking to himself. He's hearing in his heart, seek God's face. And he says back, I will seek your face. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my, my, my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Verse 12. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Somebody say amen. That's a heart of worship right there. Is that your heart? That's what I want to talk about today. Now, there's been some things that I've heard from a couple of you, and I don't want anybody here to take it personal, okay? But some of you have said things about our worship times. Some of you have said things like, I don't get as much out of worship as I do out of the Word and the service. And before you think to yourself, oh, man, he's talking about me. I've heard it from more than one person. Many people have said this. It's it's being said in the sense of, you know, I I prefer more time to the Word, or I prefer the Word edifying me over worship. Well, let me help you with a couple things right now. Number one, worship is not about you. That's the difference. Number one thing you've got to understand, it's not what you get out of it. That terminology is the wrong terminology. Worship is what you are giving to God. What I am doing now is for you. This is for your edification. Worship is not for your edification. Worship is not for you to feel goosebumps, even though you may. Worship is not for your, for your benefit, even, in a, even though it is, but it's not for that. Worship is number one, ministering unto God. Number two, to check the hearts of those who are saying it, is what if we said, okay, Maybe we do worship a little bit lopsided or have a service a little bit lopsided in the church. Maybe our worship is a little longer than the preaching. Well, let's check your heart then. How would you like if I then just preach as much as we worship? Just give me the permission to do that. And I don't mean that sarcastically. And I'm not saying like, I dare you to do it. I dare you. Because i got a hundred verses here. And usually I do every week. There's a hundred verses right here ready to go. Locked and loaded. 66 clips on you right here, baby. 66 books in the Bible, clips, get it, amen, lock and load. Oh, some of you get it now, okay, amen. 
That's why you're going to learn in Bible class. But you know what? Let's just be honest. Okay, so it's, you know, it's 11.45. You know, you take out the announcements. Maybe we worship for an hour and a half. So for those that would say, Pastor, you know, I just want as much of the word as you give us in worship. Listen to me. I am with that. I'm cool with that. If you want me to go now an hour and a half, and I'm not saying that sarcastically, I will do that. I will preach myself and yourself silly, okay? I'll preach you happy. I'm serious. I'll be a preaching happy pastor. But I think, and I, don't, I can't judge, and this is all I'm thinking because I'm just trying to, to, to understand where people's heart is. I think what some people are just saying is it's just too long. It's not that we want you to preach longer. It's just that in the service, we just want less of the worship. It's not that we want the service to go on until 3 in the afternoon, uh, in the noon, afternoon like it did last week. We're, we're just saying we want less. And see, that to me is a problem. So if your heart is saying, oh, I want less of this, then I really want you to listen to today's message. And, and you've got to change. Because worship is not about you. Worship is now what you're giving to God. And I'm going to show you all throughout the Bible, from Old Testament and New Testament, from Jesus himself when he was in the flesh, how he worshiped God. And, and I thought that over our few months of going through all this, I would have thought that this would have already been done and accomplished. But I'm serious that I've heard it enough times that I felt in my heart. As a matter of fact, Sunday after church, I said, I've got to preach on this because I heard it just a few times last week. I heard it twice just last week. And so today I want to show you the heart of worship. Well, you heard David say right here in verse 4, he said, I desire this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. You know why David is saying that? David is saying that because he knew what worship was. David was the one who got the Ark of the Covenant and built a tent for it. The Ark of the Covenant was what Moses and them were, uh, not they worshipped the Ark, but they worshipped in the temple with the Ark during the time of Moses and Joshua and Judges. But what happened during the last part of Judges is the Ark had to be hidden because Israel kept going into sin and being defeated by other nations. So they had to take the Ark and hide it because Israel wasn't being a very good nation. Eventually, the people of Israel cry out for a king, and God gives them a king called Saul. His name was Saul. And Saul didn't care anything about the, the, uh, the worship of God and the sacrifices of God in the temple. All he saw himself was like a military king, as a king of reputation. So God took him out, and God gave the heart of, of his spirit. He gave, the, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, so God put his heart in David and made him a king. Now, what David was, was not only a king, but he was also a priest. And he is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ, who is not only a king, but he's also our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay? This is some Bible knowledge. Everybody say amen. So David comes as a young boy, kills Goliath. You know the story. And eventually he becomes king. And David then goes and finds the ark. And he says, one of the main things I want to do as king is I want to get the worship of God going back again. I want to have us start loving God. And I don't know where this word came from. Maybe it's somebody's tongue. But I call it the shikaboomba. Okay? So he said, I want the shikaboomba. He said, I just don't want religion. He says, I want to interact with God. I want the presence. Or you can say the fuego did he wanted the fire of God. Amen? And he said, that's where I always want to be. Now let's watch the story of him getting that ark. Go to First Chronicles 15. When Brother Anthony was here, 
he uh, spoke a little bit about what it was like when David brought back that ark to Jerusalem. What did he start to do, people? He started to what? Worship. And what else was he doing while he was worshiping? Dancing before God. And he did what? Took off his clothes and he was worshiping God. Which would be like us, uh, you know, taking off a suit jacket and then being in our T-shirt. It wasn't like he was naked, okay? I always clarify that because new believers may not know that, okay? He began to worship God. Look at First Chronicles 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. Watch this. Verse 1. After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. So you see, he's, he's in Jerusalem. He's king now. He's an older man. He's not that young boy anymore. You know, and he has a house for himself. And he says, I'm going to build a tent for the tabernacle, for the ark of covenant. Verse 2. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before Him forever. Everybody say the word minister. Ministering unto God is the same word for worship. It means the same thing. The Levites, these group of priests, were chosen to carry the ark, and they were the ones to always worship before God. And i got to just skip ahead before we start reading all this, just to give you an idea of how radical these guys were. David had hundreds of these Levites round the clock, 24-7, singing songs, worshiping God in the temple. These were not the guys doing the sacrifices and uh, the burning of incense. Those were the priests from Aaron. The Levites had their own place. Some people don't know that, that there was two different people in the priesthood. One was the Arianic priesthood. The other one was the Levitical. And the Levitical priests, the Levitical priests, a, a, a branch of Aaron's uh, family, they were there just to worship. They were not the ones taking care of all the other duties. Are you listening to me? They were the worship band of the temple. Can you say amen? That's just to go ahead a little bit. Okay, now go on down just a little bit. Let's go down a few verses. And let's get him coming into the city. There you go. Go to verse 11. Then David summoned Zadok and Abathar, the priests, and Ural and Asal and Joel and Shemiah and Ella and Abinadab, the Levites. He said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. So he's saying, y'all messed up. It's your fault. So now you're going to get back and do what you're supposed to. Somebody say he's a good pastor. Amen. Thank God for good pastors. Amen. So he said, you're going to go back and do what you were supposed to. Now look at verse 14. Uh, yeah, this verse 14 says, so the priests and Levites, you notice the difference there. See, there was a priestly branch of the Arianic blood, and they were just called the priests of Aaron. And then there were the Levites, and the Levites even came from Aaron, but that's how you just separate them. Just say priests and Levites. Amen? Just say priests and Levites. They consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded them in the word of God. Look at verse 16. David told the leaders of the what? The Levites to appoint their brothers as what? Singers to joyful songs accompanied by what? Musical instruments, lyres. Here's like a lyre, like a stringed instrument. Harps and cymbals. Amen. Somebody say cymbals. He said, Levites, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get a band together. And we are going to have ourselves a parade bringing this thing back to Jerusalem. We are going to worship and praise God. And we are going to sing and make some noise. And so all of these brothers begin to do the thing. Now go down, down to verse 19. 
So he names them. He says, these musicians, Heman, Asaph, Ethan, were to sound the bronze cymbals, Zechariah, Ezel, Shemath, Jeliel, Unai, Eleb, help us, Jesus, Manasseh, Beneniah, were to play the lyres according to the Almanath, okay? And M, E, M, and Obed-Edom, and Jel, and A, I'm just going to call them by their first letter, okay? We're to play the harps directed according to the Shimoneth. Now, these words that I'm not pronouncing, the Almanath and the Shimoneth, are different types of ways to play music. Like we'd say rock and roll or hip-hop or bochata. Okay, these are different ways they're going to play it, okay? Kenny I, the head Levite, was in charge of the singing. So this was like the Ishmael. They were, that was his responsibility because he was skillful at it. How many think Rachel and Ish are skillful at singing? Amen. They are like our Levites. Praise God. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of units of the thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom. That's where it was chilling. With rejoicing. Somebody say with rejoicing. Because God had helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. Now David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and as were the singers and Kenah who was in charge of the singing of the choir. So choirs are good. We can have those here. David also wore linen ephod. So all Israel brought, look right here. Now, those are all the leaders. Now watch. All Israel brought the, up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with what? Shouts, with the sounding of ram's horns and trumpets and cymbals and the playing of lyres and harps. So there was the Eddie Birdos playing his little lyre. Ding, 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 ding. You know what I'm saying? He was playing his thing. And little David had his trumpet. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was doing their thing. Verse 29, as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, or Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. You all remember this from Pastor Freeman's sermon, amen? What do we learn right here? David began to dance. The people began to sing. The leaders began to lead in the singing and the dancing. There was rejoicing as they were bringing in the ark. Everybody say a heart of worship. Keep on going, bro. Let's just close out this patch because I want to show you a bunch of other things. Yeah, go to the, uh, the next chapter, chapter 16. I want to show you that the psalm that David sings this day is one of the most powerful psalms. And as you're going to realize, and I have many scriptures to reference this, from that point on, all of the kings of Israel looked at that as being the best day of praise and worship that was ever known to man. They always called back on that day. You know, like how we look back on Pentecost, people were getting healed, demons were getting cast out, sick, uh, thousands of people were getting saved. You all remember Pentecost in the Bible? How many know about Pentecost? You know how we as Pentecostals, we look back on that day and say, we want it like that. We want healings. We want revival. Well, from that point on, all of the Old Testament, whenever they talked about what it was, when it was really good, when God was really moving, they didn't even go back to the time of Moses. They always referred to what was called Davidic Worship. Everybody say Davidic worship. They always referred back to how David worshiped. David worshiped God with more passion and zeal than even Moses did, than even Abraham. He is the central person of the entire uh, Bible of worship. And here you're reading it. You know how he started it off in Israel. And all of the Psalms, Psalms is the largest book in the Bible with 150 chapters. Most of them, 98% of them, were all written by David. How many think singing and singing songs to God is pretty important if it's the biggest book in the Bible? Hello, somebody. Come on. That's just a message in itself. 
And David is the one that did that. And it's no coincidence that we call Jesus the son of David because Jesus came from the line of David. And David was chosen because he had a heart after God and that heart was worship. If you're with me, can you say amen? Verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1 of First Chronicles. They brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings, fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave them some free food. Okay, keep going. Go down to verse 4. And then now look what he does right here. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to make petition to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. You see that all right there? I want you to look at what these guys were all in charge. If they were to make petitions, somebody say prayer. So you wouldn't just go to a priest. If you really wanted your prayers answered, you would go to a Levite. Why? Because even though the Levite wasn't making the sacrifice, he wasn't the one lighting the candles, doing the work of the temple, the Levite was the one in the presence of God all the time. He was the one always waving the banners. They always had flags in these, in these palm branches. They would do wave offerings before God. He was the one always face down on the, on the floor. You would go to them. Why? He would make petition. The Levites were there not only just to pray and ask God to do things, they were there to give thanks. Just round the clock. Thank you, Lord, for the provision of our nation. Thank you for blessing our families. Thank you for the things you've done for Israel. Thank you, you know, for my life, my family. They were there to give thanks. They were there to praise the Lord. Just give praise back to God. God, you're so awesome. You made the heavens and the earth. You are worthy of praise. Angels are enthroned around you praising you now. Holy, holy, holy. So you see the different things right there. Everybody look at this. We call our church Metro Praise. We could call this place Metro Prayer, which means to give petition. We could call it Metro Worship. We could call it Metro Giving Thanks. It's all encompassing the same thing. Are you with me? When we come to this place, we are to worship. We are to praise. We are to give thanks. And I'm going to show you in just a little bit that today you are, everybody in this place are the modern-day Levites. You are the modern-day ones that are the priesthood, the called-out ones. You are the ones serving the Lord today. You are to do all this for God. Can you say amen? Can I get you excited to worship God today? Amen. He said they were there to do all of that, and he names all their names. Look, they were there to play the lyres, the harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, Benai and Jezeel. The priests were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. And just keep going down right here. Here is the psalm that David says. Look at the psalm he says this day. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Now, anywhere in here. If you can find that we're supposed to sing three songs, because you know a lot of us come from churches before, and, and we're only supposed to think, sing three songs, right? One fast, one medium, one slow. Some of you know, I already see Ish kind of smiling. If you see that in here, let me know, because we'll do it like that, number one. Number two, if you see anything in this that's about you and how you're supposed to get something out of this, let me know, okay? Let me know how you're supposed to be the center of our attention in our praise and our worship, okay? Other than that, what I want to challenge all of us to do is just to hear what this is about and to see how we are to do this continually. And I'm going to get to the point of 24. Seven praise and worship. I'm going to teach you about how they never left that tent. And as long as God was always blessing Israel, there was always Levites in the tent praising and worshiping God. Davidic worship. Can you say amen? 
Woo! Praise God. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done. His miracles and the judgments He has pronounced. O descendants of Israel, His servant. O sons of Jacob, His chosen one. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever. The word He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant He made with Abraham. The oath He swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they will be but a few and number few indeed and strangers in it. They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. See, he's telling the whole testimony. He's testifying about what God's done for Israel. He says right here, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no man to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed one. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day after day. Come on somebody. Declare His glory among the nation. His marvelous deeds among all the people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy is in His dwelling place. Come on somebody. Who can use some strength and joy today? Shika, Bumba, Rabbaha, Jesus. Hallelujah. Strength and joy. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do His name. It's do His name, people. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing. Even the forests are going to sing. Come on, somebody. They will sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes to judge the earth. They're not singing for Santa Jesus. They're singing because He's coming to judge. We can sing about that. Praise the Lord. Oh, man. Oh, Give thanks to the Lord. For He is good. His love endures forever. Every one of these verses you can write a million songs about. You can just write songs about every one of these verses. Cry out. Here's what we're to cry out. Save us, O God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to Your holy name. That we may glory in Your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting that all the people said and they did what? Praise the Lord! Woo! Come on somebody! Praise the Lord! Praise God! It is due His name. You owe God a praise. You owe God a shout. You owe God a dance. You owe God a cry. You owe God everything that belongs to your strength. Everything that belongs to your mind and your soul and your body. You owe it to God. Give it back to Him. Our praise and worship at Metro Praise is here to be that. Going back to the example, remember when my friend was telling me, oh, so-and-so's church is just like yours. Why? Because the pastor uses PowerPoint and says he loves the people. Listen, 
Enough people have talked about things and not done it. Some people say they love the lost but never will go out and evangelize. We show that we love the lost. Why? We go evangelizing. We take the reproach of the world against us. These little guys stand behind their pulpits in their clean suits and they act all pretty and cute. And, and then they tell everybody about Jesus in this pristine environment. Well, of course it's easy to do that. Anybody can do that. Any dog and pony show can do that. Any, any, are you listening to me? You can dress up anybody and do that. But how about on the streets? How about where God's name is mocked? How about among the God-haters? It takes another type of preacher to do that. Are you listening? Well, how about this? People say, we love God. We worship God. Well, how do you worship God? Three songs? Come on. Is that how we want to worship our God? Is that really what, is that what you're getting out of this? Where did we ever get that idea? That's not how we praise and worship our God. We do not come here and say... Okay, start right now, you know. And then, you know, like at 12 o'clock, finish, like it's a little stop clock. Come on. We've come here to worship Him. We've come here to adore Him. Do I always feel it? No. But He's doing. I mean, there's so much right here to encourage me. Sometimes I don't even feel it, but I'll just say, save us, Jesus. Just cry out to Him. Other times you just praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Just thank you for all you've done. Metro Praise needs to start praising His name. Amen? Together we need to set up a place in this city where we forever love God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Our vision is to love God, to love people. How can we ever love God unless we worship Him, make petition to Him, give thanks to Him? Is there any confusion here right now? Is anybody confused? The Levites were there for one purpose, and one purpose only to worship and serve God. We know that there's a difference between the Arianic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood, but they were still a part of the one priesthood of the Jewish people. And I'm going to show you in 1 Peter that the Bible calls us a priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And then you tell me what type of priesthood we are. I, I believe we're both, that we make sacrifices like the Arianic side did, and I believe we're like the Levitical. But look at the one that... that Peter brings up, which one does he emphasize? Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Okay, there's the priesthood mentioned. A holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why are we all that? That you may declare the... That you may declare the what? The praises of Him who calls you out of darkness into His wonderful light. What type of priests are we to be? We are to be like the Levitical priests. We are to be like the dancing, shouting, praying priests, the worshiping priests. We are to be those praising God, thanking Him for bringing us out of darkness. When people walk into this church, they, they should say, I know why. They call them Metro Praise. I can see why this place is called Metro Praise. Somebody asked me one time, he's like, what's a Metro Praise? I'm like, I'm one of those. I live in the city and I praise His name. That's all the main name means. We are a city of praise. We are a house of praise. We are a family of praise. We're a youth group of praise. We're a young adults of praise. Hello! We're a children's ministry of praise. Young and old, every every person in here ought to be a person of praise. We're called to praise His name. And it's about Him. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know 
what else I can say to explain it other than what I'm giving you right now. And for those that are not here, and some of them are not here, who have mentioned these to me, I'm going to give them the CD of this message because it's so plain and simple. You ought to thank God that your pastor says, I don't want to hog the spotlight. I don't want to make this about me. I would rather give it to God and I'll hide in a corner. Come on, haven't you seen enough Pentecostal pimps on Sundays acting like they know something but getting nothing accomplished? Let's give it back to God. I mean, haven't you read enough books? I mean, how many more books do we need to know about God making your life happy? Let's make it about God again and you will be happy. Praise Him in His temple and you'll find joy and strength. Amen. You don't read a book on seven steps to happiness to find joy and strength. You find it worshiping God. He says in His temple you find joy and strength. There are some of you here that you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You haven't done anything but in praise and worship. You're just like us, my wife and I. We haven't done one thing but in praise and worship. We got married out of praise and worship. God spoke to us in our prayer time. Well, you know, I started this church out of praise and worship. We're looking to buy a house. God is speaking to me about a house in praise and worship. Everything comes out of praise and worship because I'm supposed to be praising Him without ceasing and day after day. And I want to tell you this right here, just a little pause. And this is, I'm, I don't say this to belittle you or to even show off. I'm just saying this as an example about the length of preaching. I have not got to the 13 points I have yet. This is just the introduction. I'm being serious. I'm being 100% serious. You, you see these 13 points right here, brother? Those listed? I've only done these one, two of introduction. I'm telling you the truth. Somebody say, preach it. The first thing the devil will want to take from you is your praise and worship. The first thing he wants to take from a church is their praise and worship. Because once you get out of the presence of God, and let me just explain this because maybe I didn't explain it enough for some of you who are new to the Bible. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It, re it represented the glory, and that's why they had to go there. Because when they went there and they made their sacrifices, a, a pillar of fire would come by night, a cloud by day. And what we feel now in this place, they would feel there. But that would be the only place they would feel it. That's why David said he wanted to be there all day long. Because the Holy Spirit had not been released upon the earth to dwell inside the believer. The believer couldn't have the Holy Spirit yet because he had not been born again. And a believer could not be born again until Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected. Are you listening? That's why Jesus and John blowed on them. And he said, now you got it. Wait in Pentecost. It's going to come upon the whole world. And then when they got it, Peter stood up and quotes Joel, which is an Old Testament prophet. He said, we're not drunk. This is what Joel talked about. The Lord will pour out His Spirit in the last days. And His sons and daughters will prophesy. And old men will dream dreams. And young men will see visions. And he said, this will happen not only on you, but on your children until every generation. The first thing the devil wants to take is our praise and worship. Because what we have that no other religion has is the presence of God. What did the Jewish people have that the other people didn't? Well, the other people had a, a temple. They had places where they worshipped God. All, the Hindu religion was around at this time in full effect. The Greek pagan religion was around in full effect. And there was just a plethora of religions to choose from at that time. Well, they had idols. They had temples. They had priests. They had sacrifices. They had books. They had commands. They had stories of everlasting life. They had stories to help them live good moral lives. Gilgamesh and all these different fairy tales that they told each other. Are you listening to me? 
What separated the people of Israel from the people of the world? The difference was the presence of God. God was with them. It was the Shikaboomba factor. It was like they say the X factor. It was the Fuego factor. It was the factor of God in the picture. It wasn't just people talking about God, saying who they thought He was, philosophizing about God. No, it was actually God Himself. Here He is. Feel Him. Take some. Hallelujah. Another dose. Do you want some more? Come on. David said he enjoyed sitting at the bar stool of the Holy Ghost in the presence and drinking it in and drinking it in so much he said, I never want to leave. I just want to stay right here. And the Bible gives us that example of drinking in the Holy Spirit like we do wine. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, don't get drunk off of wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The Bible gives us the example that you're to drink it. The Bible says that anyone, Jesus stood up and says, anyone thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall what? Flow rivers of living water. It's walking around with the tap wherever you go. I need some more, Jesus. Rivers, and it touches the people around you. I think some of you need to take a drink right now. Jesus, it's free. He told us in Isaiah, why do you spend your money on things to buy and to drink that don't satisfy your soul? He said, come to me, and I'll give it to you for free, and you'll drink, and you'll be satisfied. Come on, somebody say amen. Let me give you some things now that went into the Vedic worship. Solomon, when he started the, when he made the temple of David, because David was not allowed to build the actual building, when Solomon made it in Second Chronicles eight fourteen through fifteen, he instructed the people, the Levites, to worship twenty four seven in the temple of God. Jehoshaphat, after he defeated the Moabites and he brought back the worship of God into the temple, he said he set up Davidical worship in Second Chronicles twenty verses twenty through twenty two. These are references for you. When Josiah, because as you realize, they kept sinning against God. They kept stopped worshiping God, and God had to keep sending another king to bring it back. Josiah, Second Chronicles, chapters 23 to 24, brings back the worship of God. Hezekiah, another good king. These are good kings, Josephat, Josiah, and Hezekiah. He brings back the Davidic worship in Second Chronicles 29. And once again, Ezra and Nehemiah, when they came back out of Babylon, instituted the Levitical worship in Ezra 3.10. All throughout the entire Old Testament, everybody here is trying to worship God, the Levites. And then what happens is they begin to sin, and then God brings a curse upon them. The people turn away from God. They start worshiping other idols. And then God raises up another king like the heart of David. And it literally says that in the Bible, this king, Josiah, had a heart like David, so he instituted worship again. And the Bible says that went on all the way to the last uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. And then eventually where the Bible stops in Malachi, which is called the intertestament period, from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, which starts the New Testament, there's 400 years missing. And we know what happened in that 400 years. Israel backslid again. They were taken over by the Assyrians and the Persians that eventually then were taken over by the Roman Empire. But did it stop? Did people forget about the 24-hour praise and worship? No, they didn't. Go with me to um, Luke chapter 24. You see, you will find Davidic-style worship not only in the Old Testament, but you'll see it in the New Testament. Luke chapter 24, verse 57. If I got any Davidic worshipers, can you say, bring it? This is for you right now. This is for those that need it. And for those that haven't been doing it, you need to become a Davidic worshiper. 
Luke chapter 24, start in verse 20. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's actually Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Okay, help me, Jesus. Look to Luke chapter 2. This is where I'm getting to my notes now. And I think I just put a scripture in the wrong place. And I did not. Okay, here we go. Look at Luke chapter 2. When they bring Jesus to the temple, they meet this wonderful woman. Look at verse 36. Named Anna. Everybody say Anna. If you're ever looking for biblical names for girls, Anna's a wonderful name. Look at what it says. Verse, 39, uh, verse 36. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenenial, one of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine losing your husband at, at, after only being married for seven years and being a widow for a long time, the rest of your life? But look, she never left the temple, but what? Worship. Oh, come on, somebody, help me preach. She never left the temple, but worship. worshiped day, night, and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Here we see now the very first story in the New Testament about Jesus growing up. There's people in the temple who are now worshiping and praying night and day. Yes, they've been taken over by Rome. Yes, there's no more the Levitical priesthood. But there's still people down in their heart and soul that know God is so worthy. We're going to keep the 24-hour worship and prayer going. We're going to keep it going. We're not going to let go of it. Here was Anna. She didn't have a husband anymore. She devoted herself to God. Isn't it time to do this again in Metro Praise? I'm looking forward to the day when I can have a portion of this building or just have this building open 24-7. There's other ministries in this city that are doing that same thing, and we have sat down and talked with them, the prayer furnace, and we've seen how we can work together. But our facility is not big enough for both of us. But my dream would be that we would have a big enough facility. My friends, we need 24-7 praise and worship in this city. We need Davidic worship. We need young people like yourself. Many of you are young adults or under 30. We need young people to change this generation. I'm a part of the generation that's changed. We're changing this generation. You don't understand? I'm a part of this, and we can change this together. It says they worship the Lord night and day. I want you to look what happened when Jesus went to the temple. Look at Mark 11:17. Look how Jesus treats the people who took away the heart of worship and prayer out of the temple. Many of you know the story. It's about Jesus cleansing the temple at Mark chapter 11. But I want you to understand it now in the context of what we just learned. Verse 17, or work, work up a little bit farther, verse uh, 15. On reaching Jerusalem. Now where did David put the Ark of the Covenant when he brought it out of Obed-Edom's house? Where did he bring it to, y'all? Everybody say Jerusalem. Where did David bring the Ark of the Covenant? He brought it to where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Where was Jesus going? Jerusalem, he entered the temple area, and what did he begin to do? Drive out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling um, doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught him, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
Did we not just learn from the Levites? They were there 24-7 doing what? Making petition. They were there giving thanks. They were there worshiping. It's all the same thing. When you pray, you're going to worship. When you worship, you're going to pray. How many find yourself doing it all the time? It's like they just, they just intersect with each other. How many find yourself pray, worshiping, and praising the entire same time? It's like all in once. You start off, thank you, Jesus. And I want to show you even just that right now. Everybody turn with me to the Lord's Prayer. Just the example of how prayer incorporates everything. Turn with me uh, to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus came in and rebuked them. He said, this is not the house I made it to be. How many churches would Jesus go in today and say, what are you all doing? What is this? My house is to be a house of prayer. It's to be a heart of worship. It's to be a heart of praise. I think in our churches we have made everybody welcome except the Holy Ghost. Oh, we don't want to offend the gay and lesbian community. Let's them, let them feel welcome. Let me let you into an inside track here right now about pastors, okay? Most pastors deal with insecurity. Most pastors, look at you, most pastors deal with insecurity. You know why? Because everything we do is based around people. Even though, number one, it's God, as, as a result of us loving God, we now have to love people. And it's always around people. And we always look at ourselves around people. And we judge ourselves according to people. If we did an outreach, it's not just enough to know that God was praised and God was blessed. Now we have to count people. It's not just enough to say, oh, today was a wonderful church service. You, you can ask Nancy. Many times she has to stop me because I'll come back home and I'll be like, well, we were missing so-and-so. There were there, these empty chairs. I'm telling you the truth. That people can get so distracted. I want to be honest with you right here. When we began to get rocked by God, it was so uncomfortable for me. Because some of you act like it's just weird for you because you're uncomfortable. No, I want to tell you, it was uncomfortable for me. Even radical me. You know why? Because I'm thinking to myself, it's 1030. You know, I'm kind of like just peeking over at the clock. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's 1030. There's visitors here. I'm on my floor blubbering, blubbering like a child, and there's visitors here. I need to get up there and do my announcements and do my little, you know, my little tap, foot tap thing, you know, my little tap dance. Hey, welcome to Metro Praises, our church. Hope you come back and see us. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we're here for you, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't even stand up. I'm so rocked, and I'm just, you know, and then some of you saw it at the beginning. I'm trying to come over, and I just fall back down. And then you guys remember the Mother's Day service. It's like the Lord says, do you want Mother's Day or do you want me? And it was awkward. It was weird. How many know what I'm talking about? And many of you were here during that time, and you would hear me praying like, you're wondering what's going on. But what we're doing right now is what is going on. There's nothing else coming. This is where we are. This is where we're going to stay. Can you say amen? amen. And for pastors, it's the hardest thing. When Jesus came to the temple, he said to the pastors and the priests that were doing the wrong thing, he says, you've got to get this out and you've got to do the right thing. I always want you to get the wisdom of the Bible, just like we learned in tithes. When you're doing the wrong thing, you suffer. And not only do you suffer, you're also not doing the right thing and getting the benefits. How many know that's common sense? But we, we need to hear it that way. You see, if I don't allow God's Spirit to move, not only am I grieving the Spirit, I don't get to see demons cast out. I don't get to see your lives change. We don't see 100,000 brought to the city. We're not going to get 100,000 acting like Joel Osteen and other people because God wants devils cast out and He wants lives to be changed. 
Listen to me. I love Joel Osteen with the love of Christ, but that's not our vision. That was not our Jesus. Today we have to ask ourselves a question. Do we want to pray like Jesus prayed? Do we want to worship like the Levites worship? Look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. Look at how Jesus taught him to pray. Look at the first thing he says. This is how you pray, guys. Our Father in heaven, what? Start worshiping him. Hallow his name. If you always wonder what that meant, hallow is holy. Halloween is holy evening. It's the evening that is before All Saints Day. It's a Catholic term. Halloween is not a satanic term. Um, the satanic term is went, uh, fall solace, solstice. Thank you, my brother. Hallowed Eve is the Catholic day before All Saints Day. It is a holy evening. Uh, at Halloween, the reason why they celebrate is because the pagans worship dead people. Catholics came around and said, ah, you want to worship dead people? I'll tell you what, let's just worship dead Christian people. So we'll make this day of the dead, which still in Mexico, they, I still believe they celebrate day of the dead. They said, let's make this day All Saints Day to kind of compete with that. And then the day before All Saints Day, we'll call it Hallowed Eve. And if you want to do your little witchcraft, you can do that. Well, to take that same word hallowed, it means to make his name holy. Well, how do we make his name holy, people? How did David make his name holy? You worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You worship Him. You start off, this is how Jesus says you pray. You want to pray? You start worshiping the Lord. You hallow His name. Father, You're awesome. I adore You. I come into Your presence. There's nobody like You. Before you ever ask for one thing, Jesus teaches the first principle of prayer is hallowing the name of the Father, worshiping Him. Oh, glory to God. And then He begins to go on. And then we know that there is a manuscript that has at the end of the Lord's Prayer this saying right here. It says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I don't have time to teach you about manuscript variants, but the bottom line is that was either written and we lost the manuscript and just one of them kept it, or it was a church tradition. Either way, we know that people started off with praise and worship and that they ended with praise and worship. All of our creeds do the same thing. Jesus said, why did you make this house a den of thieves? It's supposed to be a house of what? And what is prayer? Worship, praise to God, petition, thanksgiving, and worship. You see that all throughout the Bible, night and day. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. This was so important that there's a whole chapter spent about this in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. This is our famous scripture on worship. Many of you have heard it many times, but don't get a hard heart. Don't get a numb to hearing it. It's very special. What God is telling this woman is you are a Gentile. You are a Samaritan. You are not allowed to go where David goes. You're not allowed to do Levitical worship. He's teaching him according to Jewish law, rather. You're not allowed. But now Jesus is there with the woman saying, you can now worship God, verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come. Somebody say, ahora. Now, hallelujah, and now is the time when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Polish and Italians, all of us Americans, we can worship God now. 
It's a privilege. It's an honor. Why? Because he's seeking these type of worshipers. God is a spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for us to have spiritual worship for him. Losing our our comfortability in the natural world. Yes, it gets a little long. Yes, clapping your hands gets a little tired. You know, but just look at it like Holy Ghost aerobics, okay? How many of us can lose a few pounds? How many of us can use a little more exercise? Amen. Just, you know, kick your feet out. You know, just like throw up your hands. I don't know. However you got to look at it, give it to God. Do a little power walk for Jesus. Just give it to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look what happens in praise and worship and and just getting along with God. Look at Acts 13, verse 1. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The heart of worship. The heart of worship. I'm just giving you tons of scriptures. I'm just giving them to you as the Lord gave them to me. I I didn't make like a little pretty sermon out of this. I'm just giving you the things that God was showing me all throughout the Bible. And I know that it's touching many different parts of your life. There's some here you need to be like Anna. You need to get back in your prayer closet and not come out for a while. There's others of you here that need to, you know, in the services, get more radical for God. Let go. And here's another one for all of our ministers and all the people in ministry here. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 1. How did God call people into the ministry? Through fasting and praying, through worship. Look at 13.1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, son of Simon of Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, many who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were what? While they were what? Worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they, after they had fasted and prayed, they set their hands on them and they set them off. Isn't that what we did with arson one service? We were fasting and praying. You know, it's not intentional for me to fast lunch, but sometimes we just do it anyway. But just give glory to God. Amen? It's okay to have a late lunch, early dinner. We fasted for the Lord. And that's where the word break fast comes from, breakfast. So surely whenever you're breaking fast, that's any time. But here in the presence of God, what does he say? Set apart Eddie Berto for me. Set apart Griselda. Everything you see in our ministry comes from prayer and fasting, worshiping God. How about now in your own life? Worship God. Let him speak to you about the one year to marry. Let him speak to you about how to raise your family. The only way my parents saw me saved was by worshiping God. My mother was a worshiper. My mother would worship God with me in the car. And I'm telling you, man, it was like nails going down a chalkboard when I was a sinner. I was like, I hate that music. But my mom was like, you know, Jesus, never let you go. You know, she's singing all these songs. And man, I just couldn't wait. I just, uh, I just had to get it off of me because it's that powerful. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know that the Bible says that we're going to do things in worship. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to go to minister. We're going to know who to marry him. All that. Turn to uh, Acts 18.7. What else can happen in worship? Well, you're going to learn that right now that they, when they were suffering... They would continue to worship God. We have Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail. They worship God and God sets them free. The best thing to do in your hardships is to worship God. Look at this right here. In verse 7, Then Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titus of, of Justice, a worshiper of God. He went to this man's house and he was known as a worshiper of God. Are you known as a worshiper of God? Here in the Bible, there's just this little comma and a comma and a descriptive adjective about somebody in the Bible. 
Those words right there I would like you to put on my gravestone. Joe, a worshiper of God. Come on. What do you want to be remembered for? Who are you in this earth? Well, I'm a banker. You know, I'm a police officer. I'm an engineer. I'm a pastor. No, 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 no. We're here to be worshipers. Above all of my other duties, I'm here to be a worshiper. Remember when Satan tempted Jesus? What did he say to him? He said, bow down and worship me. But what did Jesus say back to him? Worship the Lord your God only and serve Him only. I want you to turn with me to Revelations 15.4. Do you know that as we're worshiping God, as we sing in that song, all around the world, they're worshiping God with us today. And not only all around the world, but all around heaven. We're worshiping God. Just a little side note, just for those keeping track, I'm only about halfway through my 13 scriptures, and I'm going to close after this one. But I want you to see it in Revelations 15.4. Revelations 15.4, they have harps. They're singing songs unto God. And here's the song they're singing. Great and marvelous are your deeds. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways. King of the ages, who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. I want you to stand with me to your feet today. We need worship. Amen. We just need more of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Don't don't wait for me. You can start worshiping right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we love you. We thank you for the heart of Davidic worship in this place. Oh, Jesus. Band, would you just come forward, please? Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's strength and joy in his presence. There are results of praising him. There are benefits, people. But even if there weren't, he's still worthy of it. Oh, Jesus. I want to read you two scriptures. Just as some of you are worshiping, just keep worshiping. I want you just to hear that Jesus on earth worshiped God the Father. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, when they were on the Mount of Olives, it says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Or rather, at the Last Supper, then they left and went to the Mount of Olives. The Bible says they sang a hymn. Now, you know, if Jesus on earth is singing hymns to his Father, how much more should we sing hymns? Hymn is just a song. Revelations 19.4, probably the most powerful sign of worship, the biggest, the best display. It says, after this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are His judgments. For He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by the adulteries who have... He's avenged the blood of His servants. And again I heard them say, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Then the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they said, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne of heaven saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder. Hallelujah!
for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. Give glory to His name. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel of the Lord said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And then I said, These words are of God. As I fell at His feet to worship, He said, Don't worship me. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Hallelujah! Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We give you the glory to your name. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you with the glory that's due your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hold on, brother. Hold on. Jesus. (laughs) I'm sorry. When I gave you the nod, it was just like it was a nod of way. But it's coming. You feel it. I want to get right. I want to give a chance for those who need to get right with God to come. Because I don't want you just to hide in the praise right now. I want you to come forward if you need to get right with God and just find your your way at this altar on your knees and just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for not having the heart of worship. Some of you who have just not caught the heart of worship, listen to me. You need to come forward. And you need to say, God, give me the heart of David. Obviously, if you're not saved in this room today, you need to come confess your sins. But who in this place has been at times like a Michael? Sitting back, maybe even despising the things of God, the worship. Maybe you need to humble yourself today and get into the spirit of worship. Come on, who else here today would say, Pastor... Maybe I haven't despised it, but I haven't given my whole heart to it. Maybe you're one of those that when the, when the love train comes by and they grab your hand, or the first thing you think is, I hope they don't grab my hand. And then when they grab your hand, you're kind of like, no, I'm okay. He hasn't done that much for me to do that. He's not that good. I only dance... I only dance for uh, Tupac and, uh, you know, two live crew. I don't dance for Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to give you a chance, even right now, to come and repent. Come on, don't act like there's nobody in this place. Come on. I don't don't care how long it takes. We're going to bring you out today. We want you to confess before God, not before us, but that you're going to be on the team. Come on, come on, come on. Jesus set in people's hearts right now the mandate. Come on, I'm calling people to respond right now. God, expose, expose right now. You should just come right now. Don't don't wait for it to get harder right now. You need to come while it's still good. We've already seen last time Brother Anthony preached, we already saw people that were still resistant. God brought them out the hard way. You don't want to get brought out the hard way. Come on, who wants to admit it? There's more than at least three or four of you that at times you've been that way. It may be the people I've talked to. It doesn't matter to me. I want to see people in this church admit that things in their heart have not always been right. Jesus, have mercy on them, Lord. Have mercy. 
have mercy, God, for those, God, who pretend that they're singing and dancing with us, but actually, Lord, they really don't want to participate in all of it. Lord, I thank you today that you're willing to to show your forgiveness to them if they're willing to humble themselves. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds and then we're going to move on. There's some of you here, you just need to, you need to, you need to let it go. And you need to say, God, make me a worshiper. Don't say I'm going to do it at home. You got 20 more seconds. Those of you that have had issues in your heart, you need to lay it down. And everybody here that's a leader, you know what I'm talking about. God will expose them. Fifteen more seconds. Who's going to come forward? Who's going to admit that not only was this message an encouragement, but God was speaking to you? All right, now it's between you and the Lord. And I pray that He has mercy on you. Because I know that there was at least four or five. There was was at least a few of you here that needed to respond. Because you know in your heart you despise at times what God is doing. And I I just, the Lord just gave me two right now. And I'm not going to say your name, but I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to pray for you this week. Two of you are young people. One is an adult. I got three in my heart right now God gave me. And only because I will not bring it to the light unless you're willing to bring it, I'm not going to say anything. But I will tell you this now to the whole congregation, we will be a dancing church. Will we be a praise and worshiping church? And those that come and they have issues with it, that's okay. But they can change and become a dancers with us. I pray that this church is filled with worshipers. Now, if you need to get set free from something in your life, any sin in this place right now, I want you to come forward. We're going to set you free. Maybe it's not the sin of uh, not worshiping. Uh, We had a word that was brought forth earlier that somebody is making deceptive wages, that somebody is, is stealing, that someone is taking something that doesn't belong to them. If you are here, you need to come forward right now. Anything you've taken that doesn't belong to you is stealing. You need to get set free. Is there anybody here that's going to admit that word? I believe that that was a word from God. I just don't feel like those things come just to come. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, I pray that you're living right, people. How many are living right? Say amen. Are you ready to praise God with me? Can we just come up here to the front? Come on. Come up here to the front. Don't say your pastor didn't give you a chance either. Amen. Because now we're going to praise him. Give us a good praise song, brother.